Dad the Man, the guy who's living life the right way by loving and leading his family. World class at his craft and admired by many, but more importantly, he sets the tone for what a great man, husband, and father looks like. That's who Dad the Man is. And the truth is, as men, husbands, and fathers, we experience and struggle with so many of the same things. And it's time we recognize that we're all in this together. So drop your ego at the door and join us in the conversation. Welcome to Dad the Man. What's up, everybody? Thank you for tuning in. My name is Brendan Wall, and I am the founder and host of the Dad the Man podcast. So today, if you enjoy this episode, or if you learn anything, or if you are just enjoying the episodes that we are putting out, please do me a huge favor and share the show. Just tell one person, and I cannot thank you enough for your support. All right, so today's guest is none other than the Jordan Montgomery. So Jordan is a highly regarded performance coach and keynote speaker. From small town in Iowa to a dominant force in the performance coaching industry, Jordan travels the country speaking and coaching executives of Fortune 500 companies, professional and college athletes, sales organizations, and entrepreneurs. Jordan also has a podcast called the Montgomery Companies Podcast, which is a fantastic show that is deeply rooted in the good intention of serving and leading others to be better versions of themselves. From the second I discovered Jordan to now following and keeping up with him on Instagram and his podcast, he is the most positive and uplifting person I think I have ever met. He takes ownership of his energy, making sure to uplift those around him at all times. And above it all, he's an incredible man, husband, and father, and I'm so honored to have him join us on the show. So here's my conversation with the Jordan Montgomery. And we are live. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Dad the Man podcast. My name is Brendan Walt, and I am our host. And today, we got a guest that I am so pumped to have on here. We really got to go to one, the one and only Jordan Montgomery. So Jordan, before I let you jump on, I got to tell you, you know, I, I haven't been following you for that long. I think I mentioned that when I originally reached out to you. But since I have, you are like in following you on social media, you are so unapologetically the most positive and inspiring and uplifting guy in, in my feed. And uh, it's been so cool and so refreshing to have you, you coming onto my Instagram feed. So, um, you know, there, there's no doubt in my mind that God's hand is on your life and you are stewarding the resources that he gave you and service to others and in lifting and uplifting others and speaking goodness and truth and inspiration into others. So thank you for doing what you're doing. I'm so proud to have you on, Mr. Jordan Montgomery. Welcome to the show, brother. Brendan, thank you for having me, man. That's such a kind intro. And uh, I would just say to you that it's all mutual, like my um, appreciation for what you do and what you stand for and also the positivity that you're putting out into the world. You know, I'll give a shout out to my friend, John Gordon, um, who said this the other day. He said, I'm not positive because life is easy. I'm positive because life is difficult. And in a world that can often be dark and difficult, you've been a bright light. So keep doing what you're doing, man. And it's an honor to have this conversation with you. Awesome. I appreciate you saying that. Well, thanks for coming on. Let's jump right in. We'll jump in with some warm, warm up questions. Nothing too crazy. We'll get the ball rolling and then we'll start diving in a little bit deeper. So are you a, are you a, mor a morning routine person? Yeah. Yeah. I would like to think I've got a pretty, uh, you know, ironclad morning routine, but yeah. You know, Can you tell you know, us not, a little bit about perfect, it? But yeah, I'd love to, I'd love to shine some light on that. So first off, when I got married and I know we're going to talk about marriage, Brennan, I was not a morning person. So like I was the kind of guy I'd roll out of bed between like six and six 30. Um, I, I suppose I thought that was like early morning, you know, I'm in my mm -hmm. mid twenties. 
And uh, all of a sudden I get married and my wife sets her alarm at 4.15 and um, it goes off, right? And I, I thought, wow, this is like maybe the next 40, 50, 60 years of my life. And I had a choice. I could either tell my wife to change her alarm clock and I was going to sound like the really lazy husband or I could get up with her at 4.15. So uh, we're early morning in our house. Uh, mostly I'm early morning, not by choice, but because I married a person who provided some extra accountability and a push to get up early. Yep. Uh, but yeah, man, for me, it's quiet time, uh, time with the Lord, staying connected to the vine. Uh, it's usually some content creation for what we do. Uh, I am not an early morning workout person. So in contrast to what many people share about personal development, that just hasn't been my story in our family. Uh, it works out better for me to um, work out and do physical exercise over the noon hour. Mm -hmm. So usually try to reserve some time midday so that I can be helpful with our children in the morning when my wife was working out. We have a daughter who also likes to wake up early. So yeah, man, for me, it's time with the Lord. It's content creation. Um, usually it's just a little bit of think time and then it's prep. So prep for the day, it's catch up, it's emails and some texts. Um, we call the 4 a.m. to 7 a.m. window, the undistracted hours. And it's where the world's not that. moving, right? So yep. it's where we can be efficient, effective. I'm not distracted by social media or my you know, phone going off with new text, a new email. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really cool time where we can get uh, centered on the things that mattered most, but also set ourselves up for success. And then usually about 6.30 or seven, I hear the pitter patter on the floor upstairs. <laughs> and I'm back up to uh, hang out with the kids and help them get ready for school. Yeah, I love that. I love uh, that. That I call it, I call that the magic time in the morning. That's the time. The magic that I, time. It's the best shot of me taking ownership of that time without the without the distractions like you talked about. Um, <laughs> tell us a little bit about some of the hobbies that you've got, other things you're into outside of everything that you've got going on with your businesses and with your family. Yeah, you know, for me, I've always been a sports guy. So all things sports, uh, playing sports, watching sports, being around sports, football, basketball, primarily. Uh, my wife would tell you that maybe some, some of that uh, hobby could be reduced in my life to some degree or extent. Uh, but in working with a lot of athletes, spending time with athletes, it's just a natural function of sort of how we operate day to day um, is we're just into all things sports. Uh, we love the outdoors. We live in Iowa. And um, contrary to public opinion of the state of Iowa, it actually has some cool outdoor spaces. So we spend a lot of time outside. I'm in a mountain biking uh, but, you know, I, we're, we're a typical young family, right? Like a lot of our time is dedicated to our kids. Uh, it's dedicated to being together. You know, we're very involved in our church here locally in Iowa City and um, try to like, you know, take life one day at a time. So I know you're a huge quotes guy and listening to you preparing for this interview. I've been so incredibly impressed with how you can recall quotes on a dime, just like flow in mid conversation and even down to the author of the quote. So if I were going to put you on the spot and say, you mm -hmm. could only pick one quote, maybe, maybe it's going to go on, on your desk or on a sticky note or on your computer or on a tattoo, what would that one quote be for you? And there's a lot of them. If you're going to make me pick one, the one that I feel like God's put on my heart lately, really for the past year has been a Craig Groeschel quote. And he said, your life is always moving in the direction of your strongest thought. Mm. And I think for me, it's been so power powerful, Brendan, just because I've been thinking about what goes into my mind and how that comes out in my life. And I'm trying to, I'm really trying hard to stand on guard of like what I consume. Yep. And I'm not perfect, uh, but I've gotten better at the books I read, the podcasts I listen to, the TV that I do or don't watch, the conversations I participate in. But I just think as leaders, like what comes into our 
mind, what comes into our life comes out in our leadership. And we got to really pay attention to the thoughts that we're having, you know, day to day. So for me, that's where all good things start. It's where they end. Um, the greatest battle I'm going to face happens in between my ears and I'm trying to win that battle, you know, day by day. I'm glad you mentioned that. That's something I've been thinking a lot about uh, myself recently. Just, I mean, especially just thinking about Instagram, like I was talking about, like when I'm scrolling and I see you and I'm like, it's, it's like a plus one. It's like, it's a positive for me automatic every time, but there's so much that isn't. And there's yeah. so much noise yeah. and so much friction and frustration and just, there's just a lot of garbage. Um, but you're right. I, I like the word, just guard it, guard your mind and that guard your life. Um, so I appreciate you bringing that up. That's, that's a, that's super helpful to hear. Well, your environment is such an important part of your uh, overall productivity. And ultimately it, it dictates the thoughts that you have, right? So the people, yep. places, and things that consistently show up in your world um, control so much of, of your life, you know, and, and it's up to us to control our environment. Um, Ed Milet says your environmental game drives your mental game. So it starts with your environmental game. We spend a lot of time thinking about mindset. We don't spend enough time thinking about environment and those two parts of your life are acutely connected yes absolutely and right on cue there you go quote another quoting somebody else right there uh did, did it already um so let's let's dive on in can you tell us a little bit take us back tell us about your childhood who you were as a kid what kind of things you were into um maybe you know family dynamic that kind of stuff yeah man i grew up in a pretty um, modest home modest setting uh small town iowa Kelowna, iowa 2,500 people, one stoplight, don't blink kind of town. It's the largest Amish community west of the Mississippi. So my dad was a blue collar worker, still it mm -hmm. is. He owns a small painting business, nothing fancy, has a few employees. And my mom was a teacher. So I grew up um, with a lot of love in, in our house, just, just like you, Brendan. Like I would say I had a pretty good childhood, uh, very supportive parents, I had an older brother, four years older, who uh, is today my best friend. And so I just felt like I was really supported in a wonderful small town, not just by my parents, but by my friends' parents, by teachers, by administrators, by coaches, uh, really, really fortunate to grow up in that environment. Um, then I went to the University of Iowa after I graduated high school, um, and that's where I became aware of my wife. I did not meet her there. I became aware of her there. So okay. I'll tell you more about that later, but um, <laughs> And yeah, I just had this really, really cool experience, uh, came to faith at a young age, um, you know, and, and now I'm just trying to provide that for our kids. Um, mm -hmm. cause I, I just believe I had a really special childhood and a lot of great people around me. So appreciate the question without going into more detail. That's probably unnecessary. That's a little bit about the background. Okay, great. That's super helpful. So then can you maybe connect the dots for us after graduating college, how we got from, from there to, you know, being the keynote speaker and just absolute powerhouse of an inspiration that you are today. Yeah. I uh, love my time at the university of Iowa. Um, I fell into the financial services world and I really knew I, I wanted to own a business. I wanted to be in business for myself, but I didn't have any capital. I had no experience, no knowledge. Um, mm -hmm. So I knew, and, and I figured it out pretty quickly, Brendan, that I was going to have to join forces with either, you know, someone or a group of people. And uh, I found this company that allowed me to be in business for myself, but not by myself. And so I had their support, it was sort of a franchise model. I could work the long hours and get paid for my effort. Um, I could do work that was meaningful, but I had a structure and a system and I didn't have to invest a bunch of money to get started. So yep. the financial services industry was a great place for me to start. Uh, at 27 years old, I had a really difficult falling out 
Um, and I had a staff member of mine that took a test on my behalf. I didn't report it like I should have. Uh, for 30 days, I was, I was out of a job. Um, and it was really difficult. Uh, I lost about 95% of my clients, 95% of my revenue for a young guy that was working for the ways of the world and found all of his identity and his achievement and his bank account and his status. It just hurt way worse than it really should have. Uh, but it was good for me because, um, I started to think more about what I wanted my life to look like. Mm -hmm. I slowed down to value relationships and God really met me in that time. Like in that time, my, my faith really grew. Um, like most of us, when you go through hard things, it, it sort of shapes you and refines you. Mm -hmm. So I actually got my job back. I kept going in financial services, but I had lost all these clients. I had to relocate to a different firm because I'd fallen out with my kind of the current organization that I was with. And, and again, for good reason. Like I, mm -hmm. I still today just accept that, you know, I think a powerful question that we all have to ask is what part of the problem is me. And yes. I was just careless, you know, I was careless. And sometimes when you're casual and careless, you create casualties. And uh, I was the casualty of just moving too fast, wasn't thinking deeply about who I was or where I was headed. And it kind of caught up with me. Um, and it wasn't just the, I'll, I'll be clear to it wasn't just that somebody took a test. It was, um, I was working around the clock. I wasn't eating right. I wasn't taking mm -hmm. care of my body. Uh, I mean, I just, I was, I was going too fast, too hard at a really young age. Mm -hmm. So God, um, I'm not sure that he caused it, but I think he allowed it, Brendan. And yep. when I got back into the business, um, I realized that I had a story. And I also realized that I had greater empathy for people who are hurting and broken and going through stuff. And so I had some people in my life that are in the space that I'm in now. And they're like, hey, you should start this on the side. Started it on the side, kind of thinking, hey, I'm going to continue to grow in the financial services industry, but maybe I'll continue to coach and speak when I can. Um, and without, within about a year, because of God's grace and some good people around me, we replaced the revenue, or I should say equaled the revenue in the coaching business that we had in the financial planning business. And, wow. um, and then I looked at my wife one day, I said, you know what, I think we're going to make the jump uh, and just do this full time, start a company. Uh, today, we have 10 partners that work with us. Uh, we serve a few thousand clients and God just continues to provide. So um, that's the short story about how I got into the work that I'm doing today. That's an incredible story. I mean, think, thinking back on that, I mean, the direction it sounds like you were heading financially, it sounds like the bank account was getting fuller and fuller. And in that regard, in a, in a worldly view, material view, things were looking good, but your health, I would imagine probably your mental health relationships with others might have even been going the opposite direction. And it's it's cool to be in this position hearing your story. And and I used this phrase with you before before we started recording, but it's like God planted your pivot foot for you. Hmm. And, and now we can look back from where we are. And I mean, you wouldn't be living the life that you are now. You wouldn't be, I guess, having the same impact that you have now on all these people with your business and, and having the opportunity to run this business with your wife as well. It's so cool uh, to look back and see what, a low point in your life and a painful time, a truly painful time, you know, blossomed into in the, in the long run, because like you said, you're willing to take ownership of it. You were willing to ask yourself what part of the problem was on you. And then you walked with God through it. And, and here we are. That's, I mean, that's just awesome to hear that story. Well, I think so often it's the case that our deepest hurt becomes our greatest ministry, you know, and your mess can become your message. And that was the case for me. And, and really what happened, Brendan, was I had set my goals before I set my values. And my goals took me to a place that I never really intended to go. 
And so for somebody listening, if you're a young person and you're listening to this conversation, I just maybe spend some time thinking about who you are. And as you create your vision for your life, whether it's in the context of an annual business plan or you've got a vision statement or design statement, just spend extra time thinking about who you are instead of what you're doing. The who has to become, uh, has to come before the what. And for me, uh, up until that point in my life, what was always in front of who? And eventually that caught up with me. And I don't think that's mm-hmm. that uncommon. I see that in a lot of young people. Yep. And I'm still working on that today. It's not like I've arrived. Um, I still fight that. It's like, hey, here's what I'm going to go build. You know, I'm going to go build this kingdom. And it's like, that's God's job to build the kingdom. I got to plant seeds. Yep. And I need to start with, hey, he, this is who Jordan is and um, work on myself and my values and the things that I really care about. And then I'll focus on what I'm going to accomplish. So where in the story did your wife come in? You said that you became aware of her, I think back at the college days. And so connecting all the dots there, where did she come into the story for real? Yeah, we have a unique story in the fact that uh, when I got married to Ashley, she had two children from a previous marriage. And, um, you know, I had met her in college, like in passing, right? And Mm -hmm. she was friends with some of my friends. And she was like the good looking girl, 4.0 student who had it all together. And, um, you know, so she was sort of friends of friends, right? And in Iowa, when you're from small town, Iowa, you know, some of the people from the other small towns. And so I knew her, I thought she knew me. She didn't necessarily, um, I got connected through friends. And I assumed on our first date, Brendan, that she knew me. And it became uh, pretty clear to me within the first five minutes of our first date that like I knew her and she did not know me. So for her, it was like a blind date. For me, I thought I was like going on a date with somebody that I had met before. Um, But we both have a unique story. We met each other in kind of a broken season. Um, She went through a really difficult relationship and marriage uh, where there was some fallout. And it was just a very, very difficult thing for her to endure. And Mm -hmm. conversely, I had gone through, or I should say similarly, I had gone through a really broken season professionally. And so we were both wrestling with identity, but also growing in our faith. Uh, I met our two oldest girls when they were five and three. And I think of back to my journey, Brendan, like I wanted God to fix my life professionally. And um, he didn't do that right away, but he oriented my life personally such that I could become a father and a husband. So I think he had to do some work in me. Mm-hmm. before he could do work through me. And I know that had I not gone through that really difficult situation, I probably wasn't going to be the father or the husband that I needed to be, especially for our two daughters, Audrey and Claire. And we have a third daughter now, Olivia, who we just had a couple of years ago and we love them to death. But, you know, sometimes when you go through a Valley season and for somebody listening right now, um, you want God to do something in your life in a certain area. Uh, And it might be that he's trying to orient your life in a different area and he might be doing something in you so that he can do something through you. And I think we got to be really patient in that process. And I know that was really hard for me, but I can look back now and go, man, thank goodness that he um, worked through me in that season so that I could become a father and a husband. That's awesome. So tell us a little bit about, um, about Ashley, about your wife. Tell us a little bit about, you know, with everything that you guys have going on. I know, I mean, family business too, running it together. You guys are crushing it, running and gunning three girls. Um, talk to me a little bit about the role that she plays in your family and then maybe how you support her in that role as well. Well, uh, thanks for the question. And I know that you share a very special relationship with your bride and I see it all over social media. I know that we're new friends, but um, man, I know how important your wife is to you. And I just respect the way that you put that on display. So I want to say that first before I talk about Ashley, but my wife, Ashley is, um, 
Uh, the word I would use to describe her is steady. She's incredibly consistent. Um, she is still to this day the most disciplined person I've ever met or ever known. And we work with some really disciplined people. Uh, she's regimented. She's structured. She's detail-oriented. She is like all the things that I am not. Um, <laughs> like God, I think, knew what he was doing when he put us together because we're complete opposites. She's more introverted. I'm more extroverted. Mm -hmm. uh, she is highly intellectual. I'm not highly intellectual. <laughs> it's a creative way for me to say that she's smarter than me. <laughs> uh, and the big joke with our business is that like she runs the business and mm -hmm. I, run my, I run my mouth. You know? um, <laughs> so this is what I do all day, every day. And she's behind the scenes strategizing, helping to create content, uh, checking in with our partners, um, handling all things operational, uh, all things administrative. So we're just a good complement to each other that way. And probably the thing that I respect about Ashley the most is the mom she is to our kids. Um, and she's a first-class wife as well. But you know, when I met Ashley, I really loved watching her be a mom. Yep. And I knew, and I, I know this is probably true for you too, Brendan, it's like, um, that's, that was really important to me. Like I, mm -hmm. I wanted someone who was going to be a world-class mom and a world-class yep. mother. And I had the fortunate opportunity to see that first. Most people don't get that opportunity. And it was the quality. It was the thing in her life that I was really drawn to. And, um, she's just, she's grown in that role ever since. And she dominates as, as a mom and as a wife. And so I'm, I'm really fortunate for my wife. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll give her some credit in coordinating this conversation. I have to say this has been the smoothest and easiest booking <laughs> experience that I've had with all the guests so far. Um, so I definitely give her some props there. Just, uh, just like you super positive, you know, very consistent, like to the point communication, just perfect. Um, so yeah. So tell us a little bit about what date night uh, looks like for you guys these days. I know this answer is different for most people, depending on the age of the kids, or how many kids. Uh, but I, I always like hearing the answer to this one. Yeah, date night. So we just had it last night. Um, nice. I think we we realized early on, first off, if you're listening, you're struggling with date night. Maybe this sounds obvious, um, but you got to schedule it. Uh, we're just in a season of life, Brendan, and I'm, I'm sure you can relate. Yep. If we don't schedule it, it just does not happen, period. Uh, so we 100%. try to schedule our date nights, right? And I'm going to throw this back to you just, just so mm -hmm. you're aware. Uh, but for us, a lot of times our date night is like sitting on the couch at home. We realized that for us to get quality time together, it didn't need to be this, uh, experience It needed to be, um, just an investment of time together. And actually sometimes the experience that we're trying to create was getting in the way of the investment of time. Um, and so, you know, with trying to get sitters and like, how long are we gone or what are we going to do and, and spending money? And then we'd get caught up in this experience. And somehow, sometimes it would actually change the quality of time that we spent together. Right. So for us, a lot of times date night is just like sitting on the couch. It's not fancy and it doesn't have to be because we just enjoy spending the time together, but it's got to be scheduled. It doesn't have to be long, but it needs to be meaningful. Um, so that's date night for us. What does that look like for, for, for you all? We're very much in the same boat. So everything. I, I felt a little bit of anxiety as you were running through the scenario of finding, finding the sitter, seeing how long we were going to be like all that. I'm like, I know that feeling. And that's to, to your point. Sometimes you just end up missing the quality time and the pursuit of trying to create wow. the right circumstance. So yeah, we do a lot of at-home date nights. A lot of uh, Friday nights are, are, are fun for us. I know a lot of people like to, to go out and do different things on Fridays. I love coming home after work on Fridays. A lot of times we'll take our kids to the to the little like grocery store that's got a little uh, pizza place in it and the, you know, let the kids run around and then we'll pick up some dessert, 
come home, uh, you know, share a bottle of wine, a little, little chocolate mousse, and maybe watch a little bit of, you know, crappy television. And you know, like that's, that's perfect. Like we are like after that, like I feel recharged in my relationship mm. with, with my wife and, uh, but yeah, very much to your point, the at-home date nights are, um, they're huge and, you know, we're in a good routine with the Fridays. Uh, but you know, I've, we found like, I mean, I've seen it too. Like, you know, if you start traveling on the weekends and you have weekends on the road or, you know, whatever it is, yeah. like if you don't schedule it somewhere else, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's true, man. It's just, it's so true. So, um, calendar's a big deal. I'd love to hear that you're getting time on Friday nights. Doesn't have to be, uh, you know, crazy or sexy. It just needs to happen. <laughs> and, yes. um, yeah, man, for us, it's so much the so much the story in our house too. Yeah. So let's move on a little bit. Talk about your kids. And I want to hear, so we, we, know, we know that you got three girls. I want to hear, I guess, what change having the three girls brought into your life. And the easy answer I know is that they change everything. But the, I found that in having kids, it just kind of forced me to stop and actually think and process the world in a, through a different lens. I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Maybe unpack how your life changed uh, bringing kids into the world. Well, I would say our kids have taught me more than anyone else. Uh, part of what they've taught me in full transparency, Brendan, is how selfish I can be. Um, any parent listening, I think can probably relate to that, right? Like, yep. And raise your, yeah. <laughs> your world just shifts when you realize that all of a sudden it's not all about you. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I would say that's, that's been like the big lesson for me is, um, you know, leadership starts with service to others mm -hmm. and that's not different for parents. Yep. Um, you know, and, and I, I think this is also true that the, the role of a parent is extra special because it's the only leadership role that we'll ever have where we never get replaced, you know, mm -hmm. um, because somebody else is going to be the boss, somebody else will be the manager or the coach, uh, somebody else is going to serve in the community or, or in the workplace, just like we do. But only one person gets to be dad or gets to be mom. Yep. Um, now in unique situations, right? Sometimes those, those roles do get changed or replaced, but, um, you know, for me, I, I want to be dad and I fall short a lot. Uh, but I also learn a lot and mm -hmm. I feel like God has used, my role as dad to really refine me and shape me, but also to teach me a lot about myself. Mm -hmm. And um, I'm just really fortunate. We have three healthy girls. Uh, I know that you feel fortunate as well as a dad. Oh, yeah. um, and again, our, our, our journey is unique in the fact that our two oldest children are not biologically mine, mm -hmm. um, but they call me dad and, and um, they're just such a gift. You know, they're just this unbelievable gift. And so uh, if I talk much more about those two, I'll, I'll start crying and, uh, <laughs> and I'll probably go down a, a bit of a rabbit trail, but, um, man, they're, they're just the biggest blessing. And for anybody listening, if you, if you're not a parent, um, you know, one thing I wish I would have done is I wish I would have, um, thought more about, you know, prepared myself more and not that mm -hmm. you can really prepare yourself. Right. Cause you can't, right. no, nobody's ready to be mom or dad, but I just put zero thought and just being fully transparent, I just put zero mm -hmm. thought into being uh, a, a dad. I just didn't. And so if, if you're a young person, just understand this. Like, if you don't have kids yet, the habits that you have, the environments that you're in, the, the relationships that you share, uh, right now, those things affect 
your future children in greater ways than you could ever understand or imagine. And so that would be my, um, that would be the, the, uh, the message that I would share to some people listening that don't have kids yet is, um, you know, start, start being a dad now, start preparing now for your future, your, your future children and for your future spouse, right? Mm -hmm. Um, the same can be said for your future wife or husband. Um, I know we probably have more men listening, but, um, yeah, I I guess I I throw it back to you though, Brendan, like when you think about your kids, what, what, what have you learned? Um, how does that hit you? Gosh, I've, I mean, to exactly like you said, they've taught me more than anybody else in the world and it's very practical and it's very forced and it's, there's a lot of, um, you know, when you do really stop and think like my, I've got two boys, uh, they're four and two. So they're really getting to the age where we're, we're teaching behaviors, right? So we're not just babysitting yeah. anymore. We're, yeah. we're parenting. Uh, there's discipline involved and I'm looking at who they're growing up to be. And I'm thinking very intentionally about what lessons I want to be like in their heart to know, like, this is who we are. This is what we do. Um, you know, we, and so like, for example, if I want them to know, Hey, we serve others. We think about others. We do for others. We show up for other people. Like we, like I complimented you wow. with the, you know, steward the resources that God gives us in service to others. If I want them to, to have that instilled in their heart, I can't just tell them that. Like kids yeah. don't do what you tell them to do. They do what they see you do. So then I have to then look in the mirror and say, am I setting a good enough example for them to learn this lesson that I think is important for them to learn? Yes. And that's challenging because when you, when you do that and then you're like, there's nothing for them to see right here. You know what I mean? I'm like, I got to, yeah. I got to turn this up <laughs> a notch. I got to be a little bit better myself for them so that they can see the example in me. So that's something that's a lesson I've been thinking a lot about, even just the last couple weeks, days, something that we're starting to work on as a family is being very, very intentional. What's the lesson? Let's, I I don't know, let's, let's work backwards from what we want the lesson to be Design some type of activity so that we can all do it as a family. Like, Hey, maybe on Wednesdays, we're going to bake cookies for the neighbors. Yeah. Just, just cause we're just going to do this for them. We're going to bring them popsicles and, uh, and my kids are going to have to think, okay, we're doing something for someone else. It's not their birthday. It's just, you know, an unprovoked good deed, I guess you could say, but yeah, it's good. It's a little ramble there, but yeah, that's learning a lot from my kids. That's, that's for sure. I think, I think to that end too, Brendan, I think we have to be really intentional about unplanned moments Mm because there's the planned moments that are so incredibly important. Like you just talked about, like leading by example through planned activities or planned moments. Yep. But it's also the unplanned moments when you don't think they're watching that are really, really important, right? Because yep. to your point, more is caught than taught. Yep. And they're they're paying attention to how you treat the server at the restaurant or the person that's checking you in at the hotel or the person that knocks on your door that tries to sell you something. And I think that's where I've been most convicted mm-hmm. um, is what they pick up on. Like, it's amazing what they'll share or yep. like we're driving down the road and we think they're in their own conversation listening to music, but they're actually listening to mom and dad talk <laughs> about so-and-so or talk about this situation and, yep. and they're watching and they're listening. And so I think in unplanned moments, remembering that more is caught than taught mm-hmm. and the greatest way to lead others is through our example. And that applies to our children is really important. Yes, absolutely. I uh, couldn't say it any better myself. I, I, I almost try to think of it like if uh, in, when I'm, thinking about how I'm going to act in a certain situation, almost like I am my kid and I'm parenting them. 
Like, how would yeah. I coach them <laughs> to respond in this situation? Good. How would I coach them to respond to the cashier at the gas station? Um, good. Yeah. So as we as we move towards winding things down, I want to ask you two more questions. Uh, the first one is, is more specific to you. So you're a keynote speaker. Yeah, I mean, you get up on stage and like I said, just high energy through the roof. So practical, so inspiring. You're pouring into people all the time. Um, you have a thriving business, a beautiful family. Is there anything that you struggle with personally, or is there anything maybe that you're working on within themselves? Because I think anybody that sees you on stage, they're going to, you know, they see this guy who's very visibly, you know, confident, he's crushing it, he's charismatic, he articulates his message so well, they might think, man, I could never do that because I've got this struggle going on, you know, inside of, inside of my own head, maybe. Is there anything for you that, you know, maybe you're working on within yourself? Yeah, I think I have struggled and continue to struggle. Um, and I think I'm really growing in this. Brandon, I think God's taught me a lot over the past two or three years about the power of vulnerability mm -hmm. and being more open and more transparent and sharing more of my flaws and my faults and my weakness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's a, that's a big old box that we could open up. Um, but I think as a speaker, like sometimes when people see you in really short windows or moments, it's tempting to put on your best, yep. right? And it's tempting to act like you have it all together. Uh, but actually the power of your message isn't about having it all together. Um, it's about being relatable. And I think that's a lot of what God has taught me in my journey, uh, personally and professionally over the last several years. Mm -hmm. And I've said this like repeatedly, and I'm going to keep saying it because I think people need to hear it. Um, and it's a quote. Uh, there we it's go. Not mine, and I'm going to give credit where credit is due. Uh, go follow Craig Rochelle. He's one of my favorite people to follow. But Craig says this so eloquently. He says, um, people might be impressed by your strengths, but they connect to you through your weakness. So we got to remember that. If we want to influence people and lead people and move people and help people change, uh, we got to be real. And we have to be willing to put our weakness on display. And there's a right way and a wrong way to do that. So I'm not saying that you just go air all your laundry or tell everybody <laughs> all about everything that you do. But, you know, where you feel like you can really help people, like if you've made a mistake or there's some part of your life where there's an insecurity or a flaw um, and you think somebody else might struggle with that same thing, um, be open about it. Encourage them. Hey, here's what I've learned. Here's what I'm going through. This is how I've overcome this thing, or, or I haven't overcome this thing. And I just want you to know, I am really hurting. I'm really working on this myself. And, you know, for a long time, Brendan, I wouldn't share the details of my story, like the professional fallout and getting mm -hmm. let go of my job. In the moment I started to share the details, doors opened massively uh, to new opportunity. I mean, I can't even explain it. Like revenue went up, uh, influence increased. Uh, relationships, like new relationships, like crazy. The minute I said, I'm going to fully own my story. You know, when you deny the story, it defines you. When you own the story, you can write a new ending. And I feel like um, God threw me the pen. He said like, Hey bro, like I want you to write a new ending here, um, but you mm -hmm. can't write it unless you own it first. And so yep. for me, it's vulnerability, just the willingness to be more open. Um, and it's also working on my insecurity which is the, which is the real root issue of the lack of vulnerability. Um, mm -hmm. I spent some time with Bob Goff a few weeks ago and he opened his talk. There's 40 of us sitting in his living room and here he is this famous author and speaker. And 
you know, just this incredibly charismatic, gentle human and that everybody loves and adores. And the first thing that came out of his mouth uh, was I'm really insecure. He wow. said, you just said, you should know this about me. I'm just, I, I truly am very insecure. Wow. And it was almost shocking to me because he comes across as so confident and clearly mm -hmm. he's built this really impressive business and resume. And, mm -hmm. uh, but the magic of Bob is that he's relatable. He, he, he's not concerned with communicating. He's concerned with connecting and he wants to help That's people so create real change. He's not putting just the good stuff on display. It's not just the strengths, yep. it's the weakness. And that's why he's had the impact that he's had. So, and I appreciate that question. That's powerful. Well, thanks for sharing that. Um, so one last question for you. Um, so, you know, God willing, you know, kids are going to grow up, we're going to grow old. And one day we will leave our children behind on this planet. Like I said, God willing. And when I think about legacy, I think about the moments, the memories, the, the lessons, you know, whatever it is that we're going to leave our kids with to remember us by. When you put yourself in that position, what do you want your kids to remember about their dad? Well, I hope that when I leave this earth, I'm respected most by people that know me the best. And uh, I think as a men, as young men, we really have to fight for that uh, because there's a lot of people who ultimately will never matter that we compete for. Uh, we compete for their attention and we want their affection and we want their love and we want their friendship. And sometimes we forsake the people that are closest to us because we want those things. So for me, uh, it's the constant fight for my faith and it's also the constant fight for my family. And I want my girls to know that, um, I didn't just say that, like I lived that out, that I put them first, uh, that my wife and my children came first. Um, so if you're a pastor listening, know that the best sermon that you'll ever preach is to go home and love your family. And if you're a CEO listening, uh, know that the best way to lead your organization is to go home and love your family. And if you're a young professional listening, the, the best way to learn and grow and to lead is to go home and love your family. And so I hope that God continues to put that on my heart. Um, and gives me the strength to lead well inside the walls of my home. And that's something I pray about a lot. Amen, brother. That's so good. So, so good. Um, so where's the best place for people to, to follow you here, Jordan? Uh, yeah, best place is probably Instagram. Like it's where we do the most or share the most. Um, you know, Jordan M. Montgomery, M as in Michael, is Jordan M. Montgomery is my Instagram handle. You can go to our website, montgomerycompanies.com. We're active on LinkedIn, Facebook, all the social media platforms. And for anybody listening, if you reach out, I'd love to have a conversation with you. If you have a, a question, a struggle, if there's something you want to share, anything that I can help you with, I'd love to help you with my, with my friend hat on. Um, if there's uh, a way that I could be a blessing on your journey, um, I'd, I'd love to be helpful. Well, I can vouch for that. That's how this conversation happened. I sent you a DM and you got right back to me yeah, and, man. and here we are. Hey, somebody, uh, hey, somebody listening needs to hear that. Uh, if there's somebody you want to talk to, send him a message, like reach out, do it today. Don't wait. Um, I'm so thankful, Brendan, that we've met. And if it wasn't for your kind message, like we wouldn't have shared this conversation and we wouldn't uh, have a, a new friendship. So reach out, connect. I'd love to hear anybody listening. I'd, I'd love to hear. And again, I, I just want to say thanks, man, for the opportunity to share the work you're doing is significant. Um, everything that we talked about today about, you know, being a dad priorities, faith, keeping family at the center, um, is the essence of your podcast. And so you're just helping 
people fight for those things in a really real and awesome way. And I appreciate what you stand for. And I'm going to be following your work. And uh, I'm grateful, man, to have shared this conversation. So thank you. Well, thank you so much, uh, Jordan. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. And like I said, you are you are now a huge light in my social media feed for sure. Um, and man, it's uh, it, it's such a joy watching you not only do what you do for a living, but also watching you be a husband, watching you be a father. Uh, those things are so cool to see. So thanks for doing everything that you do for leading and inspiring others in the way that you do. Um, hope to do this again sometime. And uh, yeah, very thankful to have a new friendship with you. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, brother, we will stay connected for sure. Uh, proud to call you a new friend. And I'm going to wish you favor and limitless faith as you continue to move this show forward. So thanks for being you. All right, Jordan. We'll talk soon. Thanks. All right, brother. Be well. All right, everybody. That's it. Thanks for listening. And if you haven't already, do me a huge favor and subscribe to the show or leave us a rating and review. We can't thank you enough for your support. Until next time, remember to love and lead from the front. See you.